The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Alliance Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Alliance Media in studio in Garage Mahal today. You have P. Nate, you do not have Pootie. Uh, I am one rebel short, but we actually have a special guest in the studio today. So uh, joining me in studio, it's my privilege to uh, introduce you to my wife, Colleen. Say hi to everybody, Colleen. Hello. <laughs> How's it feel being in, uh, in the studio with a mic in front of your face? I'm very nervous. Um, I hope I don't throw up. But I'm very nervous, but um, it's an honor being on here. So thanks for asking me on. Anytime. Well, we, um, one, of our, uh, one of our faithful regular listeners in Belfast, a uh, friend of ours, uh, has asked, uh, actually asked a little while ago, and it took us some time to convince you to come on, but he asked whether or not we could get our wives on uh, and, uh, and get their perspective on a few things. Uh, Chris and I did a marriage uh, episode a little while back, and uh, so we were asked, you know, we'd love to hear your wives' voices on this, which is a pretty scary thing. So we took a couple months to try to get our marriages in order <laughs> so that our wives would say nice things about us, and now uh, Colleen's in here. So um, I guess since this is the first time you've actually talked to any of our listeners, it's been almost a year here. Um, I mean, what do you think of the the podcast and, and everything that's been, been going on? How, how does it feel uh, being married to somebody who uh, spends his free nights podcasting? <laughs> Well, I can't believe that it's still going on. Um, when you originally were talking about this with Pootie, I thought, okay, this is going to last maybe a couple months, but this will be great because then you'll have an outlet and um, people can listen to you opposed to me having to listen to certain <laughs> topics that I don't really care about. Or, Star Wars. Comic yeah, exactly. Book, know nothing yeah. about. So it was kind of a win-win, to be honest with you, and I'm sure Jude and Mike, too, appreciated um, not having to receive texts from you about certain conversations as well. So this is great. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, but it, I think it is, it, it's great. Well, you're not the only one that's surprised that it's been uh, pretty close to a year now. So, um, yeah, so that's good. So in studio is uh, my wife, Colleen, with me. Uh, we miss Pooty, but uh, hopefully you'll hear him and his wife, Heather, in studio soon enough. Um, before we get going, we just want to remind all of our listeners that we are proud members of the Berean Media Network. Uh, that is a, a group of podcasts who are committed to uh, orthodox theology, um, to pushing each other's content, to encouraging one another, and uh, to generally um, just helping one another spread the gospel through this platform. Uh, so part of that network is the Front Pew podcast, which comes out on Mondays. Uh, it's a podcast by pastors for pastors. And anybody who's listening who's in uh, in ministry, I'd really encourage you to listen to them. Uh, they're just three pastors kind of uh, chatting and talking about uh, all the things that pastors generally tend to talk about in the front pew there. Uh, then we also have the Layman's Cup, which also comes out on Mondays. It's four guys seeking the truth one sip at a time, enjoying coffee and good theology. And then we have the Two Thieves coming out on Thursdays. And of course, you got the Rebel Alliance Media right there in the middle on Wednesdays. Um, and Colleen can probably attest to the fact that uh, a lot of the conversation with, within the Berean Media Network actually takes place behind the scenes. And, uh, and there are many, many late nights when we're talking theology and debating topics behind the scenes. So um, yeah, we're proud members of the Berean Media Network. 
Uh, before we kind of jump into our topic today, I just wanted to take a second to do uh, a kind of abbreviated version of Rebel News. And just one kind of thing that uh, came to me is this week, uh, Justin Trudeau, Prime, Prime Minister here in Canada, uh, he's going on a bit of a tour of the universities in Canada, in southwestern Ontario, really. And uh, in these tours, he's doing some open questions. And one of the things that the uh, Canadian government just unfolded is they have excluded any organizations or charities that are pro-life from receiving government funding for uh, summer student jobs. So uh, for any of you who have been uh, around a church in the summer, a lot of times uh, we get summer interns from Bible colleges and things like that. And uh, we've we've previously been able to apply for uh, government grants, but now because of our stance as pro-life organizations, uh, we are considered outside of the state orthodoxy. And Justin Trudeau has cut off our funding for uh, funding summer students' uh, jobs. And uh, it's, it, I guess, just what my one thought on this, I'm sure you'll hear more uh, from this, uh, about this from uh, Pudi and I as we uh, talk in the weeks to come as, as some of the aftermath uh, gets unfolded. But the thing I kind of wanted to just mention is, you know, one of the things that's happening in the States right now with uh, Donald Trump, and you see it almost every uh, Democratic sort of protest of Trump, is to call uh, the conservative political right and Donald Trump fascist. And what's so interesting is is what you actually see here in Canada, where there is a uh, a progressive liberal government in power, is that they say they fight fascism, but really they're being fascist. A fascist is is to kind of use centralized power to control the way people think and the way people talk and the way people act. Um, that is that is the the liberal government. That is what they do. Government gets big and they essentially try to control uh, the way people think and, and interact. And one of the ways they do this to try to get you to um, on their side is is by trying to get pro-life organizations to sign something that says that uh, they are pro-choice in order to get government funding. So it's pretty scary what's going on here. Uh, and I know that there's a, a lot of stuff going on in other parts of the country, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that and we'll let you know as that unfolds. Now, as we jump into our topic tonight, uh, we're talking about, I guess, you know, with Colleen, with my wife here in studio, uh, kind of an awkward topic for us, maybe. No, it's not awkward. I think it's great. I think it's great that we're able to talk about marriage. Um, I don't think couples do talk about marriage as often as they probably should with each other or with um, people. So I think that's why we're here, because I don't think people talk about it enough. Well, so it's and, not awkward. Okay, it's not awkward. And, and what I will say is that even just kind of going through our points and preparing for this episode um, has been a really good uh, thing for us because, like you said, married couples tend not to talk about marriage together. Um, you know, you have wives who will complain about their husbands to their girlfriends and husbands who will complain about their wives to their, their guy friends, um, but, uh, but they're not talking together about marriage. And so it's actually been a good exercise for us to sit down and, and put some of these points together. So um, what we're basically going to talk about is, as we were th- thinking, what, what would be of benefit to have uh, both, both uh, the wife and the, the husband's voice for the topic, and we just said, you know, let's talk. Let's let's figure out a few points that we think every Christian couple should know, and uh, we're by no means experts. Yeah, let's be very clear that um, both Nate and my credentials are that we um, made a vow and a commitment seven years ago, and that we are Christ followers. That is it. Okay, so we no, do not have no our masters. PhDs. We do not have our PhDs. <laughs> no credentials hanging right? on the wall. That's it. Yeah. So that is what we are going off of, of what um, the scriptures say. And, um, you know, we are still trying to implement what we are telling you today. I mean, we're no experts in any of these fields. So let's be very clear <laughs> before we're going into these um, that we are also working on this ourselves. Fair enough. Uh, and so as we were putting these points together, kind of providentially, it worked out that uh, we came up with seven points each and uh, and seven being the number of biblical perfection. We thought that there was something significant about that. So we have seven points and uh, Colleen has seven points and I have seven points. Uh, she'll give it to you from the wife's perspective and I'll give uh, the points from the husband's perspective. And so I guess here we go. Seven things that we think every uh, Christian married couple should know about marriage. Why don't you start us off? Okay. So my first one is, is that it's an honor following your husband. Um, so when we're 
called to follow and support um, our husbands. And it's it's tricky because in society it always or it tells us that um, you're not valued or you're not significant if you're not leading. And it's very clear, though, that in scripture that we are not called to be leaders of our household. We are called to follow our husbands. And um, this is something that God has given us. So, and let's be honest, I don't want that responsibility as a wife. I don't want that role (laughs) um, leading leading you and leading our kids. And, um, you know, that's that's tough. So I'm I'm happy to submit to that normally, typically, um, but it can be hard. Um, Do you remember when we first started the um, WLA apprenticeship? Yeah, so um, yeah, so I was. This was just before we got married, actually. That's right. Um, I was a youth pastor, and I had a full time job, and I'd been at that church for a number of years, and uh, and I had the opportunity to switch denominations, which was uh, kind of a theological decision for me, uh, but also had the opportunity to uh, be mentored by a man that I really respected. Um, the problem was that his apprenticeship program was a part-time thing, and it paid very little. I was in school, and Colleen was uh, was finishing up her university degree, and uh, yeah, I do remember that. So the the choice was: do I stay in youth ministry at a church that um, I felt maybe theologically uh, I wasn't on the same page as? Um, do I stay there a couple more years to work you through university, uh, or do I take this part-time job and, and hope that I can find another part-time job to supplement the income and, uh, and do this apprenticeship? And we know, like, let's be honest, it, it wasn't part-time in terms of the hours I put in. It was part-time in terms of the, uh, what I got paid. So yeah, right. so you and I were on, on different pages here. Very different spectrums. Like I was, no, are we crazy? Like this is, yep. we cannot do this. And you were said, no, I really think this is what I'm called to. I'm like, well, you know, the Lord hasn't told me that yet. So, <laughs> and I remember it was weeks before, you know, I think obviously my heart changed and I was like, you know, that's fine. If you really think that this is what God's telling you to do, then, um, you know, let's do it. But at first we were both, um, on very opposites of end of the spectrum. And when I'm saying like, you know, honor, um, or follow your husband. I'm not saying, you know, you don't have a say or you don't have an opinion. You know, you still talk about things with your husband, but if you come to a head to head and you don't know what to do, then typically the husband would take the lead on that or should take the lead on that. And, you know, you go with what he's, he's saying, right. And, um, allow him to kind of shoulder the burden of responsibility. That's right. So it doesn't, we're not saying, you know, don't, we don't get an opinion or um, whichever like. Yeah, I mean, we're not saying that um, the the wife the wife's role of submission is a role of being a follower, right? right? Like, there's a negative connotation to kind of there are leaders and there are followers, and the followers just kind of follow around, and that that's not the biblical model. What that's we see right. is is kind of leadership and a, and a support role, right? Um, yeah, that's, that's good. And, and to be honest with you, I remember at that time, I, I mean, we weren't quite married, we were engaged and I think we got married between the time that I was at, um, the one church doing youth ministry and, and going into the apprenticeship. We actually got married that summer and it was the September that I started. But I, I remember that, you know, there was, there was part of me that thought, well, if she doesn't think it's a good idea, I'm not going to do it because we're just going into marriage. That's not a great way to start off the marriage, but I really felt like it was something that I was called to do. And the truth is, I mean, I, I feel like if you weren't so ready and willing to submit um, and, and allow me to take the lead, I might have shied away. And, and that would have been sinful for me at the time, but I don't know that I, I would that. have taken the, the lead. I think I, I likely would have backed down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but that was, you know, that's God teaching me what it looked like to be a leader. Right. And that, and that kind of goes into my first point. So my first point, uh, so Colleen's first point is, uh, it's an honor to follow your husband. And I would say my first point for the men here is to make sure that you lead by example. 
And so um, when, when uh, we talk about, you know, leadership role and a support role, um, when I say lead, I mean lead by example. It's not just your it, leadership doesn't just mean and, and headship doesn't just mean making the final decisions or getting the final say. It means that you take the burden of responsibility and that looks like leading by example. So what I mean by that is that you can't disciple your wife and kids and expect them to develop a relationship with God and develop a prayer life and develop a devotion life if they don't see you doing that first. Mm. And, uh, and I know that, um, you know, one of the greatest things that I can do as a husband and as a father is to allow my family and my wife to see me in my Bible and praying and worshiping and seeing me into worship on Sunday mornings and committed to the church and all those kinds of things. So make sure we're leading by example. Make sure that it's not in our vocabulary to say, um, do as I say, not as I do. We, mm-hmm. should be, we should be leading both verbally and by our actions. So making sure that our actions line up with, uh, with the leadership that we're trying to give. Yeah, that's good. All right, what's your second point there? My second point is don't make your husband Jesus. Um, so basically what I mean is don't look to your husband for satisfaction, um, to feel loved or, um, anything like that, because obviously he is fallen. And so, um, he's never going to live up to, you know, your standards. So we need to be going to Christ for this. And, um, you know, obviously your husband should be, um, loving you and, um, you know, but you should be going to Christ for this, right? right. You should not be going to your husband to uh, get these. Well, to fulfill what you, you know, when you're when you're talking about feeling loved, your husband will never make you feel loved enough, right? right? Your your husband will never make you feel supported enough um, or complimented enough because there's only one person who can really feel uh, fill the the deep needs inside, right? And uh, and. That, uh, I mean, that, that kind of makes me, you and I had kind of talked about, um, you know, even just this past summer uh, in terms of a story about that. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of with that goes, you know, don't look to your husband to be the rescuer. Right, too, to be right? your savior. To be your right. savior. You have a savior. It's Jesus, right. not your husband. And I don't know, have you talked about Jude on here before? I don't know. Uh, I, I if, if so, only in passing, yeah. Okay, so we um, have a seven-month um, boy at home. And the first three months were really tough. Like they were really tough. And I remember, you know, having to call Nate at home or at work when I was at home, sometimes being like, you know, you, like you need to come home early. Like, you know, I I can't do this, you know, like this kid hasn't stopped screaming. This kid has not stopped screaming. And now we have, we have a toddler at home too. Right. So it was just, it was tough. And I remember this one time that, um, you know, I called Nate and I'm crying and Quinn, our daughter was there and she just looks to me and put her hands together. Like, you know, you need to, you need to pray. And it's like, yeah. Oh my word, of course I need to pray. <laughs> she, she folded her hands. Like that's, that's, that's what she knows we do during, you yeah, know, before bed time. and be, yeah, that's right. And so she was reminding me, you know, I can call Nate and, um, but he's not the one I should be going to. I should be going to Christ. I should be, um, praying and asking him for the strength or whatever I'm supposed to be learning through the situation. And I need to be going to him and I I can't always be going to, um, my husband to fix everything or at this time, stop the crying. Right. Right. Or or to to come and rescue like, like you're saying, right? Right. Um, so we need to remember that, um, you know, we can't make our husband, um, our, we can't make our husband Jesus. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and so, uh, my, my second point, uh, kind of jumps off there a little bit. And my second point was, uh, make sure that you're loving your wife the way that she feels loved. And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, we've probably heard the phrase love languages, right? Um, that we feel and and receive and give love in different ways, and uh, and I'll just say, for, I mean, for us, for me, um, one of the ways that I naturally uh, show love is through acts of service. So you know, I would come home from work and I would do the dishes and I would you know do some of the vacuuming. If and I they would weren't do, done, if they, yeah, not all the time. Yeah, I'm not if they to, weren't yeah, sorry, done, yeah. right? Like I do do that stuff. <laughs> um, 
But yeah. Then it would make me feel lazy. So Nathaniel would come home and I'd be sitting on the couch or whatever and he'd be trying to serve me. And then then I'm feeling lazy, like I haven't done anything. And you're actually kind of getting worked up because I'm making you feel lazy. Right. And and then I'm getting agitated because I, I'm I'm trying to show you that I love you and you're like taking offense to it. Right. I don't like that. <laughs> so let me do it. <laughs> so it was it, it, you know, and so that's a and and the truth is I think, you know, a lot of the marriage counseling that I do uh, it ends up being years of uh, kind of resentment and bitterness that have built up. And, and so often at the root of it is a husband goes to work and works hard and uh, to provide for his wife because he thinks that what is going to make her happy is being able to buy things and being able to, you know, either just work part time or not work at all or stay home with the kids. And so he works hard to provide for her. And that's the way that he feels he's showing her love. And then she just wants him to spend time with her and talk to her and pursue her and compliment her. And when whenever she would say, you know, you never talk to me anymore or you don't open up to me or whatever the case may be. You're always doing yard work. Right. I just and, want to sit down and chit chat. That's right. And and then he's sitting there going, well, I'm doing the yard work to show you that I love you. And she's saying, you know, you're, you, you're not, you don't love me anymore. You just, you know, you go off and do your own things. Right. And all that really is, is two people who are showing and receiving love in different ways so i i say that to say you know so make sure you're loving your wife the way she feels loved and And have these conversations and that's what i was yeah exactly that's and that's exactly what i was going to say is is talk about that you know we've had some very frank conversations about you know um the things that i do that i think are showing you love and and you've said yeah i don't feel loved when you do do that sorry so so and but it's give and take on both sides right Right. so it's it's you learning to feel loved by the things that i'm i'm doing but also me learning to show you love in the way that you feel it right so it's the give and the take and the recognition that um that you know we do this in different ways and so you got to learn each other's languages right right so what's your third point my third point is sex is good and Amen. I even feel I even feel awkward saying it because that's just how it is. I feel like in the Christian circle, um, you know, in the Christian circle, if you've been brought up in a Christian home or within the church, you don't talk about sex, right? And in society, though, sex is glorified. So you have, you know, two polar opposites here, right? right? So. You know, you've been brought up in church saying sex is bad, we don't have sex, and then, you know, you get married, and then, then all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, this is this is good, like, he made this for our pleasure, and I'm not supposed to feel guilty about this anymore. Right. And overnight, Yeah. right? And Yeah, the sun sets and rises, and, and, and everything's changed. And now it's changed. okay. Yeah. I mean, they make songs about this, right? Like, I remember going up north with my family, with the DC talk blaring, it's a very toe, t- is it toe tapping? Toe tapping. Toe tapper, yeah, it's a real toe tapper. <laughs> Called I Don't Want It. And I remember belting it. Is that Newsboys or? No, DC Talk. DC Talk, okay. Yeah, DC yeah. Talk. And it's I Don't Want It. My parents are probably just beaming, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> my, yes, my sing teenage it out daughter till you're is, 25. Yeah. <laughs> right? And this is how you're taught, right? right? In, um, in and, youth group yeah. and whatever. Um, at, or at least I was. And, um, you know, you just don't talk about it even when you're older, right? When you're married and, um, you know, that's something that. Well, you just, you're just told to avoid it, right? At they all use costs. those, they use the verses, you know, flee sexual immorality, like literally run away from it. Right. And they use, they, they use those kind of verses and, and it's almost like you don't want to be the one to bring it up in youth group, right? Never. You don't want to be the one to bring it Never. up in young adults groups and stuff. So all of a sudden you have all these these uh, young adults who are Christians who get married and they've never had frank conversations about sex and they've never been taught. And, and it seems like there's a lot of youth pastors who probably like what youth pastor sits there and goes, you know, well, I'm, you I'm going to talk. Pastor. Did I, you talk about it? I don't, I don't think I did. I, because like what, uh, how awkward is it 
to talk to a bunch of 16 and 17 year olds whose hormones are raging and right. just say, hey, sex is great and you're going to love it, but you can't do it yet. Right. You have to wait. Right. And so it uh, so we talked about purity and we talked about those kinds of things. And so I'm sure I was um, kind of doing the same thing that you're talking about, because all of a sudden you have, you know, when when you and I got married, all of a sudden, like you said, you go from one day it's not good and it's it's something you don't talk about and something you don't think about and something that good polite christian girls don't even mention no to it's good and god created it for your pleasure right so yeah and and so i and i think that there are a lot of christians out there who are in that same boat and it's a hard transition in the minds particularly let's be honest particularly in the minds of of females correct yeah to to um and understand that they're not only allowed to have sex um, but that it's supposed to be enjoyable. Right. You can talk to it, your husband about it and, and talk about what you like and what you don't like and all those kinds of things. And it's not bad. It's actually right. good. And, and what I always say um, in pre-marriage counseling now Obvious. Um, <laughs> is, uh, is I, I talk about this and I say, you know, um, that in all of the relationships that God has given to you, right? And he's given you brothers and sisters and moms and dads and aunts and uncles and friends and, and even now in, in our day and age. And then you have Facebook friends and Twitter followers, right? I mean, we're just in coworkers, schoolmates. We're just inundated with all these relationships. But God gave the gift of sex to one relationship, and that's the person that you marry. Right. Th- that means it's special and it's important to God. And Paul even says in, in Ephesians 5 that this this is a mi- this mystery, the, the two becoming one, is a mystery, and he says it refers to Christ and the church. And so it, it is a good gift, but uh, a lot of times we, uh, we don't know how to make the transition from it's bad to it's good. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so my third point here is uh, serve your wife, don't expect to be served. And, uh, and I think that a lot of men fall into this trap, particularly um, some of the more traditional Christian homes where, uh, you know, a wife is, this is just the stage that we're at right now. We have young kids at home and we've made it a priority to, to keep you at home and, and allow you to be home to raise the kids. And I feel like a lot of Christians um, make that decision, at least for when the kids are young. And when you're in that scenario and a husband comes home from a hard day's work or whatever, I mean, I'm in pastoral ministry, so it's not like I come home after a hard, you know, day's labor (laughs) sort of thing. I don't come home physically exhausted. I come home mentally Mentally. and spiritually exhausted, but you come home and you know, it's our sinful nature. We want to kick our feet up. We want to relax. We want dinner made. We want the kids to behave and we want our wives to serve us. And we feel as though we're entitled to it because we worked hard for the family all day. And I think, first of all, that fails to understand that your wife has a hard job at home as well. And and uh, any any husband, I would just challenge you: if you don't believe that she has as hard a job as you, just stay home with with all your kids on one day without her help. Mm-hmm. And and you'll see it's 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 a full day's work as well. Um, but more than just that, more than just the 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 fairness of who's working harder, we shouldn't be me- measuring those things. As as husbands, we are called to take the lead. And uh, Jesus actually says in Mark 10 that um, for those of you who want to be great, um, you have to be the servant. And so he actually mm-hmm. redefines greatness. We think of greatness as we get served, right? This is why, you know, people of power are always looked at as they have, they have nannies and they have, you know, servants and all this kind of stuff. Well, biblically speaking, Jesus says, if you want to be great, you have to be a servant to all. And so husbands who are meant to love our wives, as Christ loved the church, have to model Christ-like servant leadership, and that is serve your wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you and I already talked about how I naturally kind of serve as a love language, and you don't necessarily feel love that way. So I'm not saying, you know, uh, wait on your wife hand and foot. What I'm saying is serve your family. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that you're not coming home with an empty tank. Um, and even if you are coming home with an em- empty tank, run on fumes so that your family gets the best parts of you. Mm. Um, because serving your family is how they view you as great. And when your wife views you as great and your your kids view you as great, then um, all the things you're teaching them spiritually get through. Right. I might just add, don't let your wife get your leftovers. 
Yeah. And I think that's good advice for both. You're right. right. Like, don't let your wife get your leftovers. Don't let your husband get your leftovers. Right. Um, reserve the good parts of yourself for them. Right. And, and we know, trust me, we're in the thick of this right now with a seven-month-old and a, and a two-year-old at home. Um, you know, we're, we're right in the thick of it. Trust me, seven o'clock rolls around, the kids are in bed, and it's very easy to just phone it in, right. turn on the TV and veg out. But... Right. Um, but you want to give the best to your spouse. Yeah, that's right. Right. And so we're always told, you know, work hard at work. And then we come home and it's like, okay, well, now I'm done my paying job. So now I can just not do anything. Right. And, you know, we ha- we want to give the best to our spouse. Yeah. And it's so often that we just, we don't. We work super hard at work and our spouses get nothing. They get our leftovers. That's right. Which is, you know, some days nothing. So, um, so to both, you know. Um, husbands and wives, make sure that you are not giving your spouse your leftovers. That's right. Okay, uh, point four, go for it. Create your own family. Um, So I think this is true for a lot of women. I know that for um, myself, I was brought up in a, I was very fortunate to to be brought up in a a very close family. And um, so when Nate and I first got married, it was like, we're now a family of six. It wasn't a family of two. It was, you know, Nate's now a broadhead, which is my maiden name. And I wasn't really right. <laughs> and I had this mentality forever. And I think part of it is because, um, you know, kind of what we talked about before is my mom would, you know, um, submit, I hate to use that word, but my mom would submit to my dad and, you know, us kids, we your, always, your dad looked, was a good leader. Though. Right. Yeah. He was a leader. And so us kids kind of did the same thing, right? We'd, we'd looked up to my dad. We always went to my dad for advice. And actually I even remember for the West Lennon thing, I remember, you know, going to my dad being like, what do you think dad? Right. Or anything. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't remember what this specific conversation was about, but I remember going to my dad and then I came back to you saying, you know, Nate, this is what we need to do. This is what my dad said. Yeah. And you were like, Colleen, you know, <laughs> you're now my family. We need to, we yeah. need to steer clear of, um, going to advice for your dad all the time. Right. Well, and and I not, just and didn't just that, know. But yeah. But there is, there, there, there was, and I'm sure there was some pride mixed in there f- for me, but I, you know, it's that. Um, that, that feeling like, you know, the, the man whose opinion means most to you was still your, your father. Right. Right. And, and and this is a, this is a process too, right? This is why the Bible says, you know, leave your father and mother, cleave to your husband and, uh, and cleave to your wife. It's because they know the Bible knows our tendencies and, and this is, it's very much like the sex thing for you is that, you know, you, you've, um, respected your, your father and his advice and been led by him for so long that overnight there's somebody else that you begin to right. be led by. Right. So that was a that was a big one. That was a big one for us for a couple of years because mm-hmm. number one, we didn't know, right? And it was just a natural progression. Nate's now a part of our family and to become a part of, you know, you and to be going to you for advice opposed to my dad, the first person, right? Yep. Like we would still go to um to other people for advice if we weren't sure, but we would to go to you first yep. and what do you think? Yep. And you know, that was that was a process overnight, once again, kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so my point number four here is uh, don't ignore the things that are important to her. And uh, and so it kind of jumps off that point because, you know, your family is, was and is very important to you. And so, um, you know, the one of the worst things I could have done when we were kind of working through that would be to... Um, to minimize your family, to disrespect your family, because that was something that was so important to you and is, is important to you. And it's, and it's something that's become, they're very important to me as well. Right. Um, but you know, we, as, as men have different interests than our wives. Um, but again, we're called to love our wives sacrificially as Mm -hmm. Christ loved the church, which means giving up ourselves for her. Meaning that, you know, it does, you know, I, I know a lot of, um, you know, uh, couples that kind of do that. You pick the movie tonight and I pick the movie tomorrow night and that sort of thing. And you end up both end up watching a lot of movies that you hate. Um, and, and this is just a small example, but, you know, watching movies that interest her and, and, um, coming home, you know, I have a very small practical example. Um, when I come home from work, uh, I'm, I'm naturally kind of an introvert. And so when I spend a day counseling people and meeting with ministry leaders and stuff like that, sometimes I come home and I feel, 
overwhelmed by people and conversations and I just need quiet. But you're a verbal processor. And, uh, and so I, uh, you know, when, when I come home, you've been home with the kids all day. And this is especially true when our kids weren't talking at all and you haven't had a conversation with an adult all day. And so, so you wanted to debrief the day and you wanted all the details of my day and you wanted to have a, a civilized adult conversation. And so, you know, there are two, two different needs at play there. There's my need for solace and, and quiet, and there's your need for, um, you know, verbal debriefing. Yeah. And so in that moment, as the husband who's called to take the lead, um, I, I feel as though it's my responsibility to meet your needs first. And, uh, and, and that doesn't mean I don't get my needs met. That doesn't mean I don't get my quiet time, but, um, it means that I meet your needs before I meet my needs. And so take the, take the time to, um, uh, you know, don't ignore the things that are important to, to her, even if you don't understand them, even if you don't, uh, if, if they aren't important to you, that's part of, that's part of servant leadership. So, um, okay. Number five, go for it. Find a mentor. Um, so pretty straightforward. Find a lady who is either a mom or a wife or a godly lady that you want to be like or admire. Um, and this is obviously a bonus if you can find a mentor as a couple. Yeah. But this has even been something really like this has been really hard for us as well to find a couple that we um, both can do that with. So if you can find a lady that um, you can confide in. And I, I just would like to maybe add too that um, don't just go to a lady for advice for wisdom, but what do the scriptures say first, right? So if you, I don't know, can you think of an example? What you would... Uh, go to a mentor? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I again, just thinking of our station in life, I mean, there have been a lot of times when we're trying to figure out, okay, what does it look like to, to you know, deal with this toddler, right? Um, so, you know, having, wi- or having women who have been moms whose parenting you admire, you know, what does it look like for me to talk my toddler who's throwing temper tantrums through right. a temper tantrum? Or, or, you know, what does it look like for me to save and not give my husband my leftovers when right. I'm chasing two kids right. around all day? You know, those kinds of things. Um, and, and just having, and, and, you know, we're very fortunate to have some people in our lives that we can go to who will, who will be honest and say, you know what, I struggled with that, but here's, here's what I've learned in, you know, 15 years of marriage or whatever the case may be. Right. But go to the scriptures first, go to your, you know, what, what did your devotions say that day? Cause right. typically, you know, it's weird that that sometimes happens, but what you're reading about will sometimes hit home with what you're dealing with. Yeah, for sure. Right. For sure. And if you're not in your, if you're not in your devotion life and you know, you're really struggling with something and then you're going to a mentor, then once again, you're using that mentor kind of as your Jesus, right? right? You need yep. to go to him first and, um, but, but find a mentor that you can confide in and, right. And, that you and, look up to. And somebody who, so on that note, somebody who's going to point you to the scriptures That's as opposed right. to just say, well, this is what I did. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. It's a good point. Um, so kind of going along with that, my, my point number five is um, be accountable to other godly men. And, uh, and I think this is something, quite honestly, I think this is something that men struggle with more than women. Uh, women kind of develop deeper relationships a little more easily than we're men. Because we're chatters. We're talkers. Because chatter. Yeah. Uh, men, I mean, we don't talk about our feelings. We don't talk no. about our struggles, that sort of stuff. No. And, it, and it's easy for us to, if we were out on a hunting trip together or, you know, watching a sporting event together or whatever, we're not having heart to hearts. Um, and so I, I would just say, find some men that you can be accountable to. And, and, and I mean, like, these are men who, it, it's not just find men who you can be accountable to, but find men and then be accountable to them. Right. Like there should be, every Christian man should have somebody that, I mean, if you are struggling with lust, if you are struggling to overcome pornography, if you are struggling with temptation with a coworker, you know, these are big things that men do not like to talk about. If you don't have a man that you're comfortable calling and saying, hey, this is my struggle, um, you're not doing this thing right. 
So find men that you can be accountable to who are godly and then actually be accountable to them. You're so articulate. Basically, <laughs> ladies, the exact same thing that P. Nate just said, but throw women in for men. I'm just not as articulate as you. It's just the way it is. I'm not a preacher. <clears throat> okay, so what's your number six? Um, You're doing great, by the way. Speak highly, thanks. Speak highly of your husband. So we all have that friend that just is, what's the polite way of saying this? That just is negative. You know the show King of Queens? Yes. For the record, Pootie is so <laughs> Kevin James. He's not here to defend I himself. Know, He's going to hate great. that you just said that. I know. But that's <laughs> I know. So look it up, Kevin James. But you know the show Kevin, or you know the show King of Queens? Yeah. Um, their relationship, she is just super negative of her husband. She has all all of her girlfriends she'll just go to and blab to. Right. Um, and don't get me wrong, it's very comical, but this is supposed to be her, this is her partner in life, right? right? And, um, you know, she's just bad-mouthing him all the time, making fun of who knows what, right. everything. Yeah, just making um, him look like a buffoon to the right. people she's talking to. Right, yeah. and you are supposed to love your husband. You are supposed to respect your husband, um, you know, and your kids are your kids are watching you, right, if you have kids, and your marriage is supposed to be a picture of Christ and the church, right? And, you know, your marriage is basically a picture to the world, too, and we just wanna make sure that we're being respectful of our husbands and not bad-mouthing them, even if we think it's funny, because it's really not, like, let's be honest, it's just, it's not funny. Um, I don't know, I don't really have much, No, I think that's good, I mean, we all know, we all know, like you said, that the woman who is talking, whether it's in the foyer at church or at, at work, who is talking about her husband as it, you know, you, you know the joke, you've heard it a zillion times. Oh, I have four kids at home, right? right. Talking about the three right. kids and the and husband. Right, husband, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, if 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 other women in the church, and I don't mean the, your mentor, you know, those accountability people, I'm not talking about that very small select group. Which should I be mean, one or two people. Right, I mean, if, if six or seven other ladies in the church know all of the things your husband struggles with at home, Right, that's a problem. Right. Right? And it's going to get back to your husband, and then that's right. there's going to be more issues here. Right. Right? So, you know, we just want to make sure that we're being respectful of your husband. Speak highly of your husband. This is, this is the person that you've chose and that God's chose for you to be with for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. Um, You know, once your kids are gone, it's the two of you, right? right? And And if you're not working on your marriage now and if you're not speaking highly of your spouse now, it's just gonna, can you imagine what it would be like? No, I can't, but but speaking of kids, remember as well that your your kids are learning how to respect your husband based on how you respect your husband. Right. So when they hear you bad-mouthing your husband, why are you then surprised that they don't respect their father? Right. Um, okay, so my, my sixth point here is everything you say should sound like I love you. Say that again. Everything you say should sound like I love you. And, wh- and what I mean by that is that whether you are correcting your wife or complimenting your wife, they should hear, I love you. They should feel loved by the words that you you are using. So, I mean, First Peter 3 uh, is kind of where uh, Peter gives a lot of advice to husbands and wives. And one of the things that he says to the husbands that I think is, is really uh, kind of an overlooked passage a lot of times. A lot of times we go to Ephesians 5, which is fantastic. But we forget this, where it says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, don't get me wrong. All the feminists are up in arms. Um, you know, send your complaints to info at rebelalliance.com. Um, but uh, I, I, that's Peter talking, not me, by the way. Um, but live with your wives in an understanding way as the weaker vessel. And, and I think what that means is recognize that your wives are sensitive. And so, you know, it is your job to help your wife in sanctification. Ephesians 5 is clear about that. 
you should love your wife the way Christ loved the church and and um, gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her. So it is part of your job to help your wife grow in sanctification, grow in Christ-likeness, become more like Jesus. And sometimes that means calling them on sin. Now, that don't get me wrong. Wives, call your husbands on their sin as well and do that in a respectful way. Right. But husbands, do that with your wives in a loving way. Right. So, so make sure that your uh, correction, your criticism, any of that stuff is still laced with words that sound like I love you to your wife say things to them understanding their sensitivities and taking into account their sensitivities and making them feel loved even when you have things to say that would otherwise seem unloving right so all right last and final point there you go number seven what do you got find your identity in Christ Um, so if you think that lasting satisfaction will come by any other means than Christ, you are wrong. Um, and let's be honest, we all look, uh, for identity somewhere, right? Through our career, our children, our relationships, our looks, our stuff, right? you know, and none of that is lasting, um, or satisfying. Right. And, uh, and, and I think, I mean, it's so easy for, and it's so easy, I think, for, for a lot of wives who are at home, and especially nowadays, right? Everything is on Instagram. Everything is on Facebook. Um, and, and what you see on Instagram and Facebook is the best moments of other people's lives. And so you look at your own house, which happens to be a mess, and your own toddler who happens to be screaming or throwing a temper tantrum, and then you, you open up Instagram and you see pictures of smiling kids in a perfectly right. clean house, right. knowing that, you know, you would never Instagram this moment of your life. And you're comparing that to the other people's doctored photos. Right. And I say that just to say, it's so easy for us to uh, then attach our worth as a, as a mom, as a, a wife, as a caregiver, whatever, to how we feel in those moments. Mm. So if you're not finding your identity in Christ, if he's not the one who's giving you your, as you said, your value and your worth, um, then you're always going to feel less valuable and right. less worthy than you are. Yeah. Because he's the one who, who supplies that for you. So that's great. That's right. um, and so uh, my, my last point is let your family see you loving Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and this is just, remember, this is true for every Christian is that you're on display But husbands, you are on display in your home. Your families should see you opening your Bible. Your families should see you uh, spending time in the word and praying. Your families should see you not go, um, you know, when when crisis arises, not to go into I'm going to fix this mode, but they should see you getting on your knees and praying Mm. and and showing them that the first thing that you do is go to Jesus. Mm. They should see you worshiping in church they should see you getting into worship they should see you serving in the church they should see you tithing they should see you you know these sorts of things that show that you're in this for real Mm. because one of the things that wives and kids can sniff out is hypocrisy and so if you are telling them that they ought to love jesus but they don't see you loving jesus you're not going to be leading them well that's a good one so uh, why don't you read through your, just you don't have to comment on them, just read through your seven points again, just uh, for uh, sum- summary, and then I'll do the same with mine. Okay, so number one, it's an honor following your husband. Number two, don't make your husband Jesus. Number three, sex is good. Number four, create your own family. Number five, find a mentor. Six, speak highly of your husband. And uh, number seven, find your identity in Christ. Um, and so here, uh, seven seven uh, things that uh, every husband, Christian husband should know. I said, uh, number one, make sure you lead by example. Number two, make sure you are loving your wife the way she feels loved. Number three, serve your wife. Don't expect to be served. Number four, don't ignore the things that are important to her. Number five, be accountable to other godly men. Number six, everything you say should sound like I love you. And number seven, let your family see you loving Jesus. Amen. Um, so I, the truth is a, a lot of our regular listeners, they hear us talk a lot 
Um, but uh, we recognize kind of the, uh, the, the void that we have sometimes in speaking into the lives of, of women. So thank you for coming on and, and kind of filling that void, mm-hmm. uh, hun. But uh, I, the other thing I just want to say is g- give some of the ladies who might be listening and some of our regular listeners who might actually um, recommend this particular episode to their wives, um, why don't you give some uh, just resources, some things that we recognize that men and women kind of grow differently. So what are some resources that you've used to help you grow and uh, and become the, the wife and the Christian you are? <laughs> um, some really good podcasts that I've really enjoyed, obviously, besides the Rebel Alliance is thank you yeah yeah um is uh risen motherhood um another really good one is by dr josh and christy straub um and and then another that one's one called the uh the in this together oh podcast. yeah i'm sorry I don't know they how changed to search it that, that's yeah, right yeah. in this together podcast and then maybe it's jo- dr josh and christy straub too yeah but in this together um and then another one that i really enjoy as well is um by paul tripp now it's his sermons but there are on the podcast app okay but they're very good um and then you want a book too go for it yeah give us um, give us whatever the you got book it is called what is it called it's called what's it like being married to me now i'm gonna be honest here <laughs> it's so good it's so horrible that it is still on my shelf and I have not finished it because you this is so just just to give you an idea of of my wife for a moment this book um she gives a time out to the book so she'll read a chapter or two and when it's really <laughs> convicting she goes and puts it away as if she's putting the book in time out that's right so this one's been in time out for I don't know two years on and off yeah I have not finished it but it's called what's it like being married to me and I mean just the title in and of itself right? Um, it's horrifying, right? Like, what is it like being married to me? One of the questions, and I won't forget it is, would you want to be married to you? Are you a thorn? Are you a prickly bush? Or are you that beautiful rose? Right. Well, (laughs) depends on the day, day. (laughs) depends on the month. (laughs) Um, so anyways, that's a really good, I can't actually think of who it's by. I apologize, but it's called, what's it like being married to me? And that's, that's a really good one. Um, you know, for, for career woman, for the uh, working mom, for the stay at home mom, it's a great one too. And then, uh, the one that I saw you, you're just reading another book the other day, uh, by Nancy Wilson. I remember cause it's, uh, I yes. noticed it's Doug Wilson's wife, Nancy Wilson. That one's Wilson. on timeout too, I think. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> that one's learning contentment, right? Yeah. yeah. That one's in timeout. <laughs> right, I got so a couple on the go. No, I got a couple on the go. All right, there you <laughs> They're go. all in timeout. All right. So, uh, learning contentment by Nancy Wilson, the other book, uh, what's it like being married to me? Um, specifically for moms, although I, I think they're so gospel centered that a lot of times it, it relates as well to just wives and women in general, That's it's risen right. motherhood. Yeah. And then the in this together podcast with is, Dr. Josh and Christy Straub is particularly for, for moms, parents, yeah. for moms. So, yeah. um, so there's some resources for you. Hopefully you find that helpful and uh, we just uh, appreciate you tuning in and uh, and actually we just take I'll just take a moment here to uh, thank you for just being interactive uh, in terms of listeners. Uh, Colleen would not have got on the podcast if I didn't if I couldn't say. Do look, we want to thank them for asking me to come on? I <laughs> if don't I know. if I couldn't say, look, we have listeners all the way in Belfast uh, who asked specifically for you to come on. So we appreciate it because um, we we want to equip you to engage culture with the biblical world view. And so, uh, you know what you need to be equipped, uh, in. So, uh, we appreciate you reaching out to us and continuing to, um, uh, supply us with topics and, uh, and things to talk about. So thank you to our listeners. You got my wife on the podcast and that's, uh, it's been a delight, uh, being in studio with her today. So, yeah. so thanks for being on hun. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, for all of you who are, uh, listening, Uh, Thank you. Uh, Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, like and share the posts that are there. It helps us to expand our audience. And uh, and even more than that, uh, if this is your first time listening to The Rebels, uh, go to rebelalliancemedia.com, check out our archive and uh, recommend this podcast to a friend. We really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us and we'll be back next week, uh, likely with Pooty back in studio uh, tackling some cultural issues. So thanks again for joining us. Thanks again, Colleen. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. Bye. Bye.